Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. dedicated to Henry Foreman. In the year of the primal war, the war of giants killed first, man mastered the mammoth and horse, man was the lord of the earth. Good afternoon, good evening, good whatever, good whomever I may find you. This is Alan Averill, this is Agitators Anonymous. You can hear by the sound of my voice. I've been doing a little bit of singing, Primordial just played in Drogheda last weekend. Um, and I've been doing interviews constantly. So I've got this um, dulcet baritone to my voice at the moment. Um, let's hope it fixes itself before this upcoming tour with Paradise Lost We Start next week the ultima ratio tour can't list all the dates here but i will put them in the description and hopefully we shall see you somewhere along the road what was our gig like in drada well it was a it was a bawdy a boozy affair um very much the usual that happens when you play more or less in your hometown um you look out into the crowd and you see more or less that you recognize every face which inspires you to have an extra glass of wine to cope with that fact and to be honest pulling on off a um you know unless you're in a big kind of venue like the academy or something like this which people who've maybe been to a gig in dublin know what i'm talking about and with specific lights and this and the other it's kind of hard to pull off something atmospheric so what you do is you withdraw into your kind of like old school um playing on the floor hardcore mentality and it ends up being um well you know a bit more intimate, shall we say. Um, we can step off across the line into it being a bit too matey, matey, oi matey, but that's just the way it is every now and again. Drada, drada, indeed, I curse thee. Well, now, what am I going to talk about on today's podcast episode 170? What I want to discuss is actually something that we were talking about at the weekend, and that is, have podcasts helped in the killing of the album? 
the killing of the listening of the album and how how do they speak to where we are as a society um it's a kind of interesting topic seeing as you are here listening to me talking um and so i am sort of proof of some of the arguments um in many respects that i'm going to try and lay out as to why um podcasts my hypothesis is they have indeed helped kill off the listening of the album so let's um we'll talk around the subject see what comes out episode 870 something adjudays anonymous all right let's go to the sponsors before we begin this as ever the podcast is sponsored by the illustrious and very wonderful metal blade records who are releasing the new primordial album in a week and a half or something i should know those dates shouldn't i but for some reason um you know dates Dates, dates, dates. They just sort of rush in and out of the empty transom that is my skull these days. And they find little purchase. They find little in there to cling on to that I may look upon them and remember them. So soon enough, I think, is the bottom line. Um, We have made a third video as well for the opening track, How It Ends, which we actually did play in Drogheda, which you should see very, very soon. In fact, you might have been able to see it. Um, by the time you hear this. So, Metal Blade Records. So go to IndieMerch.com slash Metal Blade Records and you can use the promo code AA2023, which is the year that apparently we are living in. Um, um, unless you, of course, believe in that theory that um, the Dark Ages never actually happened and that we're actually living in the 16th century now. Oh, there's another podcast for you. Well, indeed. Um, so if you also are out there in a band and you want a backdrop... Um, get in touch. You can see the descriptions underneath and I can put you in contact with the people who can do that. If you're in a band out there and you liked what I did um, the other month for the band The Crawling from the North, playing a couple of their songs, um, ad reads, get in touch, get in touch. There's space for that. Um, and it seemed to uh, work. All right. Podcast, podcast, podcasts. I made a post on Instagram last uh, Friday morning. Uh, which was a picture of my battered old copy of Masters of Reality by Black Sabbath. Could it be the best Black Sabbath album? Unsure, perhaps. Might just be. Um, And there's nothing quite as special as a battered old copy of Masters of Reality and that crackle of the needle as it goes across before you hear Sweet Leaf um, or Children of the Grave. Yeah, maybe it is the best record. Maybe it is. Anyway, the point was, I said, maybe sometimes it's better to forget about politics and just put on a copy of Masters Reality. And behind that was actually a serious comment because I'd found myself and my brain just battered with an endless barrage that week of um, political and historical podcasts. And it got me thinking. We ended up talking about it around around the table, round table, heavy metal, old man discussion about how we have less and less time to listen to albums. Now, of course, that's natural as the process of life moves on. You have more responsibilities when you're older. And the idea of just sitting down um, with the headphones on and just listening to um, pick an album from 1991, 1992, A Blaze in the Northern Sky, Blessed Are the Sick, I don't know, and just listening to it over and over. I remember the week I bought Mental Funeral and Blessed Are the Sick, Autopsy, Morbid Angel, and I must have listened to each one 25 times just in that week, over and over and over again, absorbing Every single lyric, every liner note. I mean, how many bands did you, if you're of the same vintage as me, how many bands did you hear of um, just in the thanks list of other bands' thanks lists? You know what I mean? So, like, one I can think of, which is incredible for this, is Forest of Equilibrium by Cathedral. Now, of course, just to step in your toe into the doom, 
the waters of doom you were of course were aware of trouble and saint vitus even though the records were quite hard to find especially saint vitus the you know candlemas of course but then you began to dig a little bit further and you heard of the obsessed but then the the thanks list of forest of Licorium was the first time i ever heard of penance for example and that made you go out and find the living truth demo and so on and so on solitude eternus and then lee made the dark passages records if you don't know that dark passages um have an old search for that it's an absolutely brilliant compilation anyway i digress but that's why you're here isn't it for my um mindless digressions but the point being that you absorbed every single detail from the album you sat with the headphones on and when we're talking i realized like you know what i like football right this is no secret i play football a lot um and, you know, my team is Manchester United and they lost quite in quite embarrassing fashion the weekend. And I watched the fan cams. I watched, I listened to two or three football podcasts on the Monday talking about the game I've just seen, even though I've listened to other people talking about it. I quite enjoy listening to um, football commentary. I enjoy hearing the likes of Ken Early, um, you know, in his very, you know, distinct and quite frankly, uh, great way, you know, dissecting the football. Then I thought to myself, you know what? You've watched the football match. You've now listened to two or three podcasts about football. That's about four or five hours. And I thought to myself, you know, once upon a time, that would have been the time you would have spent listening to new music. You would have um, absorbing albums. Now, it seems that more and more of us um, are listening to albums or listening to music only when we travel, only when we commute. Um, headphones in work, in the car, on the plane. But of course, um, that commute kind of ended when lockdown happened and people were working remotely. Now, that's a different question. But uh, when I began to really sort of dig into the reasons why, I thought about the first podcast I ever heard was the Ricky Gervais podcast with Carl Pink Pilkington and Stephen Merchant. And sometimes I still listen to them vaguely in the background when I go to sleep. I think anybody who probably has played in a band for years and years begins to do that, to sleep to noise. I suppose that's some sort of element of tinnitus um, um, or just your, your battered, dehydrated walnut of a brain. Um, which is about to overheat by doing a little bit too much computing in the middle of the night. Um, if you listen to somebody speaking, sometimes I listen to uh, audiobooks, and so the sound of someone's voice puts me, I concentrate on that rather than my um, evil and sinister thoughts. And off to the land of Nod we go. Where is the land of Nod? I think it's in Israel, is it not? So there must be some biblical reference. Um, etymology. The study of the origins of language, or is that entomology? One is insects, one is language. How could they just make them so similar, um, just with the letter N, um, differentiating them? Anyway, the first podcast I heard was um, the Ricky Gervais podcast, when I first didn't really understand what this was. And who could have predicted that in um, an age where we're told people don't have any attention span, where everything was reduced and has been reduced to very short sound bites, that two, three, four, two, two or three hour conversations um, uh, by random people, sometimes talking about absolutely nothing, would rise to uh, hold such a huge, um, powerful place in our um, society. Now, I remember once, years and years ago, sometime around about, must be 10 or 12 years ago, um, asking the people at Metal Bait, oh, the Joe Rogan podcast, is there any chance I could get on that? I, no, having no understanding, really, of how that worked. In my head, I was like, oh, they're both from L.A., maybe they know them. Um, do they have musicians on? I didn't really know what it was. I'd begun to hear about it from the guys from Marduk, and um, because it was about MMA, um, and, you know, MMA was starting to get really popular. This is maybe... 
late 2008, 9, um, and all that kind of stuff. And I never, was never really into MMA, but I'm sort of fascinated by this rising conversation among all the metalheads that I knew about, specifically Rogan, but also about podcasts. What the fuck was a podcast? Um, and it was my cousin um, who lives in um, that London um, who had said to me before, you know, you should do a podcast. I mean, you have way too much to say anyway, and you have way too much time on your hands. It would be perfect for you. And I went, yeah. And then, in truth, I did record a couple of podcasts, maybe four or five, maybe let's say five or six years ago, to test to see what it was like. And my, and my initial impulse was to try and interview random, to collar random other musicians at festivals. And then, of course, lockdown happened, and then they, it became my sort of, you know, my personal therapy session or my way of coping with what was happening. Um, and here we are, 100 episodes later. But I think that there's something else much more. Um, it speaks to something else that's happening in society, and that is the atomization of society. Now, of course, there was greater atomization in lockdown and the pandemic when people were told to work remotely. And as social animals, as social beings, we were told to be antisocial. And one of the things that happened during that time was, of course, the, um, you know, like Tinder to the fire people began to go online and become even more tribal and more um, barracked into their views because they were being reinforced constantly because they were just living online constantly. And that is a form of atomization. And of course, podcasts um, grew exponentially during that time because people thought, what the fuck else am I going to do but a podcast? Now, apparently, um, only what, eight or nine or 10 percent of podcasts get nearly 90 odd percent of all the listens so most podcasts nobody listens to so they just tend to be middle-aged white men just talking into the void and um, it is a kind of predominantly it seems statistically a male phenomenon so maybe that's also interesting to observe if you correlate that with the death of the listening to an album um which is kind of what i'm here to talk about because that is by and large statistically seen to be by Spotify. And um, 60%, I think 60, 65% of the listeners on Spotify are women aged between, um, I think, 12 and 13 and 35 or 36. Fake news. No, I heard that from Rick Beato on his podcast, and he's usually very reliable. So if men, um, a lot of men are replacing in their listening, um, their listening uh, criteria, they're replacing music with podcasts and I think an awful lot of people are doing that but an awful lot seems like an awful lot of men are like you know just kind of clogging up the podcast space um, speaking as I said into the void to other men now when I began to look into this socially um, it's not just men of course one of the biggest podcasts in Ireland um, is my therapist ghosted me now I'd never heard this it's not um, anything I would ever have the time of day for but um, I think that podcast played out like two or three nights in one of the biggest arenas in, in the city, which is like 30,000, 40,000 people, I think. Podcasts are filling spaces that bands used to, and bands, of course, were the things that once made albums. You see the kind of correlation I'm reaching for. But I was reading this thing, and it says that um, there's been a, you know, a, a, a times four exponential increase in the amount of people who say they have no close personal friends. There is, of course, a suicide epidemic. We know this clearly. Um, there is a greater percentage of people who have broken with family members who are um, estranged from their family. Um, we 
there's more and more people identifying with the lowest happiness categories. 45% increase amongst young people who say they are feeling hopeless. What this speaks to me to at least is, is, a, is an atomization of society that a great percentage of people say they are lonely and that they have no friends. So have podcasts partly filled that void? Do, does the rise of podcasting and podcasters and the fact that people want company now, I, I, you know, I will say that I can um, identify with some of these uh, things, not that I've uh, identified myself in the lowest happiness category, but certainly as someone who, um, you know, li lives alone, and you probably are listening to this, maybe you're in the same circumstances, um, at night, sometimes you put on a podcast almost for company, to hear a voice. Perhaps you're doing that right now with my voice. There are people who send me messages all the time and go, I've no clue what you're saying. Um, basically, I think they've used Google Translate to send me a message. We've no clue what you're saying, but your voice makes the baby quiet. <laughs> the dulcet tones of the Irish, um, the Irish, what do they call it? The gift of the gab, the, that Irish brogue. Um, people message me from strange, strange and far-flung places um, to tell me that uh, we've no clue what you're saying, but we like the sound of your voice. It um, quietens, quietens the livestock. However... It does, and I can um, pivot and say, well, not really pivot, but I can point to the fact that my listening to the football podcast, it's part of my Monday ritual before I go and play football. I listen to and the Totally Football podcast with James Richardson. I listen to For My Sins, the Guardian podcast. Um, I listen to maybe one or two about, you know, Manchester United. And then I listen to, um, I could listen to three or four, maybe the Gary Neville podcast. So there, you've taken up two to three hours on your way to play football. Whereas once upon a time, that would have been time I would have spent, as I said before, listening to records, listening to albums. And could it be that I've sort of fallen out of love with listening to music? I've thought about that a lot in the last while, because at one stage during the lockdown and during the pandemic, I was obviously doing the podcast, but I was listening to, I would wake up and I would put on a podcast I would also, while I was working, have a YouTube documentary playing and be taking notes on it and have podcasts lined up. I'm the whole day was listening to history um, podcasts or documentaries and taking notes on them. Um, I have about five full scap books here sitting in front of me, just of notes taken the last two and a half years on totally random things. Everything from uh, Alan Turing to the War of the Roses to American industrial policies in the 1930s and you also just what the fuck are you doing? Though once upon a time would have been um, filled with the new Rod and Christ album or um, you know the new insert name of band that you love album. So what does that say? What does that say? People are much more likely to live alone now um, and that's what are these people filling that sort of existential void with voices? And the knock-on effect of that is, how has that affected music? Because if you are a kind of person who goes out and buys an album, um, then you know that right now on Spotify and all the stream platforms, stream platforms are driven by, um, I've said this before on the podcast, but the drummer of this band, The Black Keys, again, who I've never heard, um, I heard they had whistling in their songs, so that, you know, you should never have whistling in your songs. Whistling, harmonica, and saxophone. Forget it. Never put them in any song. Anyway, I digress. Um, and he just said, look, streaming numbers are driven by 
11, 12, 13 year olds. The kind of that's the reason why Baby Shark is one of the biggest songs ever made. Because kids just press play and press play and press play and press play. If you're an old if you're an old one or an old lad um who've bought and the new album by X Band and they're playing the vinyl a couple of times a week. Um, of course, you've just bought it. You own it. You will own nothing and you will be happy. But you're not um, contributing to the streaming war, to, to the click-through war. Um, and so Spotify itself is dominated by songs, not by albums, because those streams are driven by young people just playing the same song over and over again. And as I said it before, music has become the sort of background to people's lives, not the soundtrack to it. It's the thing you do, it's, it's on in the background while you film, film yourself at a concert of the artists that you love. I'm talking about mainly mainstream stuff here. Or it's the stuff you put in the background of your dance video, your exercise video, your whatever else. So then what music has represented has changed. And I can see it clearly when I look at Spotify. And I would bring up the statistics for um, Pick the Gathering Wilderness um, or To the Nameless Dead. And you can see, um, you know, huge figures for Empire Falls. But by the time you get to No Nation on This Earth, the last song on To the Nameless Dead, you're talking about about 10% of people managed to make it to the end of the album. Um, why is that? It speaks to, I suppose, the Google generation's um, lack of... Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Um, you know, patience. We we all have our attention span is completely shredded, and I will say that I am also, um, I'm also at risk of the same thing. I'm also affected by the same thing. So, in a way, in a weird way, even though I'm sitting here talking about it with you, whoever you are, I'm just another dude, um, another white boy with a podcast or whatever that song is. But podcasting. Um, even though it, you know, no one really saw it coming out of the of the ether to make someone like Joe Rogan one of the most most powerful people in um, in the world right now. Um, it speaks to people's sort of innate loneliness and the further atomization of society, and also how we've changed our terms of socializing. Once upon a time in Ireland, of course, the pub was the was the social hub of people. People. Um, walk down to the pub to meet other people to chat. Now those chats are taking place online or they're not taking place. Not all of them, of course. Of course people still do that. But a great many people, the voices that they hear day to day are podcast voices. And this, as I said, has a knock-on effect to all these other things. And it's, it's, um, it's I think, a fairly reasonable correlation to make to say that um, less and less people are listening to music because podcasts have taken that place and filled a certain existential um, void in their life. Or you just can happen to like podcasts. It doesn't always have to be such a negative um, or pessimistic, but let's be honest, that's a bit more fun and interesting um, uh, way of looking at things. I think watch-alongs are a very strange phenomenon. If you've ever watched a TV show along with an, on another screen, other people like this is a big football thing you know again Man United Mark Goldbridge Goldbridge watch along now I find him annoying so I don't watch him but watch alongs where instead of actually having friends in real life that you go to the pub with and watch the match you are um, watching the match or watching whatever it is I'm sure there are watch alongs for all sorts of things for um, Eurovision or for any probably for online gigs I mean look there must be there must be watch-alongs for almost everything the opening of a TV show or a new drama but instead of doing it with friends you've invited round or going to somebody else's house you do it on your own um, with on another screen sort of fake friends people who aren't really your friends people who you hear their voice all the time. And like, say, for example, prior to just recording this podcast, I was listening to the new Sam Harris podcast. Now, you know, I don't know what first a lot of people um, lately. Sam Harris has become, you know, um, contentious. But his new his new podcast, The Low Trust Society with David Brooks is fascinating. David Brooks is fascinating. But probably there are people in my life who I would consider my friends whose voice I hear far less than I do someone like Sam Harris. And that's a very strange consideration to where we are um, as a society. And so you also have to ask about, um, I, you know, say something like vinyl collection. 
I remember once years ago um, when I used to live in the same house as Dara from Invictus, this kid came in. Um, I don't know who he was. Uh, he was staying in the house. He, he did some record label. And he came in and he asked, why have you hung the Death Spell Omega poster from Fast Maledicti in the toilet? And I thought it was funny. I said, well, I don't know. It's just a poster. And he goes to me, that means you opened the record. I went, well, yeah, I play it. And he was just looked at me like in shock. He goes, is it first pressing? I go, I don't know. I think so. And he was just like, don't you know what that's worth? And yeah, this this is something that I think has also affected um, album listening. And that is the kind of people who collect things but never play them. Back in the day, I mean, if I pulled out, I have two or three, maybe even four copies of Holy Terror Mind Wars, which as I did before in the podcast is my favorite ever heavy metal record. Um, I wore one of them out. I wore a copy of Bloodfire Death out. I've worn out records that I've played to death that are... I like the fact that my Ride the Lightning, I remember um, my Ride the Lightning is completely dog-eared and worn and my copy of Peace Sells But Who's Buying, um, you know, it looks like a teenager bought it in 1986 or 87 because one did. Um, the idea that we treat these artefacts as sort of like um, financial investments I think it's so completely contradictory to the spirit of what the music was actually intended for. And I do wonder, does that have a knock-on effect in the kind of the death of the album, that people view things as collector's items and then they listen to it every now and again on streaming or they kind of, they just own it but don't really play it that much. Does that also contribute to it, you know? Like I said, podcasts can fill arenas, arenas with people just talking and there's no doubt about it, it increased during lockdown um, and it speaks to the atomization of society so I guess it also speaks to the the nature of modern society which is just seems to be that everything is inherently political that um, you know for an awful lot of younger people uh, the countercultural or cultural aspects of music um, don't have the same meaning anymore so you know in the 1980s when I started secondary school in Ireland that's when you're between 13 and 18 um, there was cure heads there was smiths heads there was straight edge people hardcore people metal people punks there was people into 70s surf rock there was people into the doors there was people into um, the smiths who had their hair like Morrissey there was all sorts of kind of people and Morrissey spoke for you or James Hetfield spoke for you um, you didn't use their music as the backdrop to your beliefs. But it seems, you know, but you identified with the subculture. And now it seems that most of the subcultures don't exist anymore. I was reading an article uh, given to me by my friend Dave from Death the Leveller, um, who, and in this article, um, good band, by the way, you should go and check them out. It was talking about the death of uh, the club scene, of the dance music scene. Um, and having had relatives who were involved in that late 90s and early 2000s, and even went to a few... Um, DJ things and raves and the odd thing that seems to have died post lockdown in that a generation of people of a certain age have passed on who um, to obviously have retreated to the burbs don't really go out anymore um, and I mean look Dublin is super expensive but what it said is that most people now just go back to, it's gone back to like nightclubs whereby most people go and it's just the same 10, 20 bangers, quote unquote, of pop songs. It's the same Miley Cyrus songs or the same Taylor Swift songs or the same songs that um, are the most streamed songs on Spotify. Nobody's really going out to hear a DJ anymore. And the, the article was, you know, maybe a bit less cynical than I would be. 
But my observation was, well, I think it's just because young people just aren't interested in that kind of music anymore. And your music, dance music, is now middle-aged, the same as mine is, the same as heavy metal is. And um, the sense of reinvention hasn't come because younger people aren't interested in the same things. And that sometimes speaks to the politicization of society in that I've met more young people who um, would seem to be immersed in what they perceive to be um, culture war struggles or woke politics or, well, not even woke politics, that's unfair to say. Just they're more um, activism on some level or a form of activism or relationship to, you know, an activist adjacent political idealism <clears throat> would seem to have taken at the space and a place in their life that once upon a time would have been, um, you know, um, a counterculture or um, a musical culture or, you know, not, I mean, I remember... Um, you know, you would have had the early skate, the early skate shop. I think I can't remember the name of it. It was up on Summer Hill in Dublin. If you're from Dublin, you'll know where that is. Um, what was it called? Trevor's. I don't know. If you're a skate person, you probably are like shouting at the. Well, why would you be listening to me talk about it? Um, it'll probably Clive's. It was called Clive's. And I remember going to Clive's skate shop in 1988, 89. And it was a whole lifestyle for people who were getting right into this early burgeoning skate scene in Dublin. Um, and, you know, there was. I remember having to, you know, make suicidal tendencies shirts because I used to paint shirts with acrylic back in the day. If you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen I posted one of um, a, a possessed shirt that I made. I used to make suicidal shirts for my skate friends. And, you know, there would be a skating culture, but the music went hand in hand. There was Minor Threat. There was Dead Kennedys. There was Gangrene. There was, uh, you know, Thrash Metal crossover, Ludacris, The Accused, DRI. And, you know, of course, everybody's listening to Metallica as well. So it wasn't, you know, there was an entire subculture there immersed, which bumped up against another subculture, which was metal and punk and skate. And it, you kind of fused together with hundreds of kids around on a Saturday afternoon who would have all identified with something different, but they were all kind of rubbing up against each other. Now, it sounds romantic. It sounds like I'm looking back with rose-tinted glasses, but it was a great time to be a teenager. OK, Dublin was rough and tough. Um, and you had to have your wits about you. There's no doubt about that in 1989 or 90 or 91 or 92. Um, but at the same time, I don't see any of those subcultures anymore in young people. Um, I see, I think if you, it's, it would appear to me that if you want to be different, um, then you have some sort of um, sexual identity as a subculture as opposed to a musical identity. But this has to have a knock-on effect about, um, as I said off the top of the podcast, the death of the album. Because it doesn't strike me that um, younger people are identifying with um, bands or people that make albums. And that's one of the things you notice about pop music. It's all names. Dua Lipa, Ariana Grande. How do I know all these things? Well, because I watch Rick Beato and I'm interested in music industry and interested in what's streaming and what most, uh, you know, occupies most of the space. Because also, of course, don't forget that the sliding scale percentage rule that Spotify's business model exists on. Um, if you pay your Spotify subscription, if you only listen to Primordial In The Woods, let me see, I've got a copy of Death Forever here in front of me and let's read out the bands on the cover. Immortal, Witch Hazel, Sulphur Eon, great band Sulphur Eon, by the way, new album is very good. Um, Ulver, blah, 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 blah. If you only listen to those six bands, um, you're... Uh, and you listen to them tons of times. I mean, a lot of times. Um, baby Shark numbers. Your money isn't going to go to those bands. It's going to go to the top one or two or three percent because that's the way Spotify sliding scales their percentage rule. That the um, people at the very top 
get the most amount of the subscription subscriptions. Hence why it's completely designed to only facilitate those who have um, 10 billion, 10 million plus streams. Um, I mean, there are primordial songs up online on Spotify, which have two and three million streams. And like I said, um, every month, if I wanted to buy a pint in Dublin, um, that probably wouldn't pay my um, my digital streams wouldn't pay for that. Anyway, what the fuck am I talking about? What am I talking about? What am I talking about? Anyway, my point is that you will see that these artists are just singular because even boy and girl bands don't exist anymore really because you can't market three or four or five people where you know nowadays it's just one person and they have to be in charge of or the master of all of these platforms not only just the song so you cross pollinate that by having x artist with a guest y artist and that's what they do and kids just play these songs endlessly and endlessly and probably the lack of identification with an actual musical subculture means that you're not really interested in bands so we're in a very precarious, well, are we in a precarious state? I mean, um, music industry, uh, you know, boffins who are involved in the heavy metal music industry will keep trying to think of ways to bring metal back to the mainstream. But personally, I don't think things are cyclical. I don't think um, rock or metal or whatever, or punk or whatever, is ever coming back to the mainstream. Um, these forms of music are old. They're middle-aged. They're not what young people would identify with. But there's no doubt about it that these listening tastes have had a knock-on effect to the album. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, even if you look at the top, you can look at the charts of podcasts. Now, a lot of them are sport. Um, a lot of them are sport. But some of them, like I said, uh, my something celebrity, blah, blah, blah. Lots of them are just celebrity chat. Just people just... People randomly haven't kind of like... I know if it's forced crack or there's some, some ones where there are people just who get along who just... That's their so almost like they're socializing. What they're doing is essentially recording just a phone conversation you might have, or a phone conversation, recording a conversation you would have had just in the pub once upon a time with people where you would have met a few friends and just talked shit about, or slagged, or mocked, or just poked fun at something, or just had a laugh. And an awful lot of the biggest podcasts are just daft things. Now, I don't have any time for them. I'm not really interested in that. I still do have friends in the real world, um, at least they say and claim they're my friends, who I can go out and have a pint with and, you know, mock, um, well, still while we're allowed to mock freely before it's defined as hate speech. But um, it speaks to the fact that an awful lot of people don't have that in their life anymore. They, The thing that once upon a time was the, the hub of socialising is now being farmed out. It's been sourced to a third party. So your laughs that you get per day, and especially if your office is shut down and you're working remotely, the initial, the amount of people who initially said to me, oh, it's brilliant, I can just pad around in my PJs and, you know, and then I said, wait, come back to me in six or nine months. And they went, ah, come on, Alan, the pandemic's not lasting for six or nine months. Of course, I said, mm-hmm, mark my words. Um, and then I just sort of said, well, how do you feel about that now, a year or two in? And they're like, yeah, it's a bit depressing. Um, I don't go on any dates. I don't meet anybody. I don't. There's no spontaneous pints in the pub after work. We never go to a gig off the cuff. Whenever I go, yeah, atomization. You're now atomized. You're working from home. And of course, there's still some people who love it, but a great percentage of people I speak to are just like I'm. Really feel like I'm missing out um, on the things that happened. Um, you know that I had five or ten years ago. Of course, college students. I talk to relatives who are college students, and they're like, I go, is there any crack in college anymore? And they're like, no. It's like you're being um, schooled to be the best employee that you can be. Um, there's an, it's very politicized. I don't feel, many of them have said to me, I don't feel like I can 
divulge or say my political opinions in class anymore. I feel restricted in the things that I say. Um, so you just keep your head down and you just get on with it. And I say, is there any parties and hanging out and crack? And they just go, well, yes and no. But certainly I don't think compared to when you went to college. Now, I mean, this is just anecdotal. I have no exact empirical evidence for something like this. But it would seem to me that there is some truth in this. It would seem to me that there is some truth in this, that we have outsourced, just like we've outsourced some of our uh, politics, some of our, look at um, all of the, look, we live our lives on social media platforms, which are, um, which claim to be, you know, independent companies, but have realistically taken over the town square, the market square of ideas. They've taken over, like Twitter has the ability um, to ban the sitting president of the United States, but also at the same time took advantage um, of him when he was tweeting all the time. Um, you know, and arguably you could say um, he ended up where he was because of social media. Um, it's your brain boggles with the cognitive dissonance involved in understanding all these things. But it's for sure that so many things that we used to do as social animals have been outsourced to third parties, to third party platforms who use our um, online interactions with each other for their own currency you know, for data mining or for just understanding all of your social or non-social habits. And of course, if you are less social with other people, you're spending more time online. You're becoming, you know, um, further politicized, who knows, further radicalized, further um, or angrier, lonelier. Certainly no way that spending more time online makes you a happier person. It's no doubt the correlation of the things that I read out four times four times more people have no close personal friends anymore. Now, why is that? It's because they spend that time when they should have been making friends on fucking line or maybe sitting there listening to morons like me. Um, so what's the what's the moral of the story? Turn me off. Get out there. Go out and have a pint and talk to a stranger. But then again, you could probably get into trouble for that. So there. How do you win? How do you win? I don't know. But the point is that. I used the phrase, is our podcast killing the album? It's a bit fatuous. I think the album was probably dying long before podcasts come along. But there's no doubt about it that podcasts do take up more of people's listening time when they could be listening to records. Now, I'm about um, to go out and do a little bit of a trip, a bit of traveling. And again, that conundrum, do I listen to the rest of Sam Harris podcast or do I play side B of Blesser the Sick? Or do I, more importantly, play music I don't know yet? How many people, um, of course, you, you the Spotify playlist introduces you to songs by bands you don't know yet. It's up to you to then click through to their album. But many bands have just like a big song. Um, and this is also the same in ele electronic music. Um, anyway, I digress. My friends, that is a 40-minute off-the-cuff random ramble just about where society is, about, um, you know, the atomization of society, how podcasts, while informative and I think a, a brilliant thing, also speak to something like an inherent loneliness in society and atomization and how downstream of that are many, many other effects, whether they are people not meeting anymore to go on dates and therefore maybe have relationships and maybe have kids and get married and all that kind of thing. Can you link um, the atomization of society to the falling birth rates? Yeah, you probably can. Could you tie tiny percentage of that into time spent listening to podcasts when you should be out, um, you know, getting to meet your significant other? If maybe so, but you don't have a significant other. So therefore, 
The voices in your room speak to the inherent loneliness. Oh, ho, 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 my friends. Well, you think you know me. All right, my friends. Episode 170-something or other. Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill, just a singer in a heavy metal band, trying to make some sense of the things that I don't understand. Don't take me that seriously. Over and out. Until next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.